All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Lakers Lounge. I don't know if that's how Anthony normally reads this. It leads this in. Like, this is a new podcast, I guess, even though him and I have done a million different podcasts under a million different names. But Anthony is not here tonight. That is why I am leading us in. And instead, because, you know, I'm going to get to the reason why in a minute, but I've massively upgraded in co-hosts for this week. And Sabrina Merchant of Silver Screen and Roll, SB Nation, you know, all, basically all of our NBA sites, I think, at this point, has a longtime Lakers fan. And my close personal friend uh, has decided to join me tonight. Sabrina, how are you doing other than the Lakers crushing our souls with this loss? You know, it's funny. I, I was talking to my mom, actually, after the game ended because she chose to watch this one um for the first time, I think in like, I don't know, at least the bubble, she chose to watch a Laker game for the first time and was just amazed at how calm I was. And it's a very strange feeling for me because like I was, I was amped when the Lakers won the play in game, you know, like I I usually have like very strong emotions about the Lakers winning and losing games. Like they, they lost to the Knicks and I'm like, you know, throwing pillows at my brother. Like it's, it's usually a very emotional time for me during the postseason, And yet Something about, you know, seeing Anthony Davis have to take himself out of the game after five minutes just sort of has led me to the point of mercifully this season is over. You know, this long extended stretch that seemingly began in July of 2020 and feels like it has carried us to this point. It's done. And there were some good times and there were some not so good times, but very hard to win two championships in one calendar year, I think is what we've realized. And yeah, that's I'm, the lesson for sure of this season, <laughs> if nothing else. I am ready to just look ahead to 2022 because not my favorite Lakers team. Not my favorite. Oh, God. We're not. No, we're not. I'm not letting you do this tonight. You're going to try. You can do that podcast with Christian or someone else <laughs> down the line where you try to sign and trade and like use the, like the trade machine, every single person out of a Lakers uniform and complicated maneuvers that I don't understand and will make sure. my head hurt. We're not going to do that tonight. We are going to vent about the season. The word you use there is mercifully. And I think it's a good one. It's one that I've used a couple times tonight because it really just did feel at the end like a mercy killing like the, the reason Anthony's not here tonight is because I have given him a one-week suspension from the podcast for naming our podcast last week the Lakers it feels like the Lakers have this in the bag and then they proceeded to lose the next three games in the series so he is the new like you don't none of you get to get mad at me for Damian Lillard jinx in a regular season game during a year the Lakers were tanking anyway anymore Anthony just lost us a playoff series so he has been banned from the podcast but it it, like by the end you know as upsetting as I think like the game four loss obviously sucked and to tie up the series like that and and then game five was just by the end of game five it, it was just over Like, I had resigned myself to, you know, I wrote a whole obit on the Lakers season this morning because I knew it was over. It was just, you could tell it in their body language. You could tell it in the way that they were going about things. It was just, you know, we did a podcast a couple weeks ago where we talked about, it felt like maybe too many things cascaded on the Lakers. And then I think they managed to kind of like stay upright for a couple weeks and play like the team that we thought they could be. But in the end, it's just too much basketball. For the, a team to go through in this amount of time. And you really just saw it like a, a, the whole thing was kind of encapsulated by AD's night tonight. He really tried to go out there. I 
I'm not going to like sit here and be like, oh, the medical staff needs to be fired or da 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 because I think AD forced his way out there. Like, I don't think that this is a coaching thing. I don't think that this is an organization thing. This is an Anthony Davis is a superstar and superstars get to decide if they're playing in game deciding games. But I just don't understand why more wasn't done to try and keep him out of that game because it, from all reports, he didn't make the injury worse. But just watching him limp around for five minutes and then potentially like for, you know, we thought for a moment, make the injury a lot worse and we'll see what it ends up being. But it it was just his body just couldn't sustain. It was almost like it crumpled under the weight of all of the basketball he has been asked to play at his size and the way that he moves over the last year in the final game. And just like, you know, I know the Lakers made a comeback in the second half. They showed some effort. They, you know, decided to not just lay down like they did kind of in the first quarter, understandably so with how deflating all of that was. But yeah, it was just a depressing night. I'm glad that they showed some fight in the end. It it gives you at least a little bit of hope that these guys don't all completely hate each other uh, after like kind of the social media subtweet, like subterfuge weirdness of the day. But yeah, it was just weird day in Lakerland, weird week in Lakerland. And, uh, you know, I I think at the end, it's just the Lakers were lucky that AD didn't end up hurting himself worse. I'm glad you brought up the social media subterfuge because otherwise I would not have thought about Alfonso McKinney for another six months, probably. So yeah, no, I, I genuinely yeah. think that Frank Vogel may not know his name. I'm like, <laughs> like I, I think there's a chance. I thought we traded Lonzo away, isn't that Zoe? Yeah. <laughs> they have some, uh, Rob's like, how's Zoe looking in practice? He's like, did I lose Lonzo? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I can tell you why the Lakers training staff tried so hard to get Anthony Davis out there, or at least, you know, did not prevent him from playing. And it's because... Markeith Morris and Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell were incapable of doing anything better than a yeah. 50% Anthony Davis. So I yeah, would be the... capable of anything better than this version of Anthony Davis that could yeah. barely move. But I understand. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get the sentiment. Yeah. It's it's funny. I you know, we had these conversations at the start of the year. Um, I think it was more so with Anthony about how this was the most talented Lakers roster. Of oh, yeah. Life. No, that was his chosen point. That like he, he, his picks his, he picks his take for like six weeks to like get him through <laughs> and give to every single guest that's on the podcast. Like it's just really it's it's masterful content creation. And that was one uh, we could almost bookend this season by Anthony takes that he chose to have for those couple weeks. And that was the opening one of like, this is the most talented Lakers team ever. Yeah, so I I disagreed with it at the time, Um, not as vociferously as I disagree with it now, after (laughs) having watched just a a cascade of errors, you know, even as the Lakers were making something of a comeback in the second half. And I I do want to focus on that just for a little bit, because... Yeah, we should talk about the game a little bit. So, like, last year, you know, when the Lakers lost Game 5 of the Finals, and then, you know, it's pretty disappointing, like, Danny Green making that shot would have been epic, or Markeith Morris, or Anthony Davis, whoever could have had that moment would have been just like an epic finish. One that would have gone down in lower. And instead we got game six, which was never really contested, but it was a sign. Of, it was like a reminder of what the Lakers were good at all season, right? It was like a three hours championship celebration. Exactly. too. Like an underrated like part of that game was that they just put it. It was like the Suns in game five of this. Exactly. Like, yeah. Just this kick-ass defensive performance where the Lakers got to clown on the bench a little bit. Like their centers got to take threes. All of all your favorite hallmarks of the 2020 Lakers were on display in that game six. And I appreciate that we got just a little bit of what made this Lakers team good in this game six. Like we got the same starters as opening night, uh, same results, actually, in case you're wondering, full um, circle, full circle. We got, you know, uh, THT 
showing that he can get into the paint against the Suns. That putback dunk that he had to, you know, put the game to 11 had me you know, thinking of preseason THG all over again when he was clowning the Suns starters. Uh, we got, you know, a lot of the Lakers not making threes, which is a very critical part of what this... An unexpected part of these games at this point. But yes, it is a critical <laughs> part of modern threes. basketball is making threes. <laughs> People forget that. We got some LeBron James, you know, some of LeBron James trying to will his team to victory, which, you know, he he had to do for much longer this season than I think any one of us would have expected, considering the offseason additions they made. Or ever hoped for in a million years. I think they mentioned on the broadcast that the Lakers were 19 and 20 when LeBron played without Anthony Davis. And that was about a 500 team that you saw out there. And, uh, you know, it was nice to see just some life show up in the second half. Like, I'm glad they didn't just go down for the count when Booker hit his like six, three of the night. Um, it, it was a little, you know, we probably shouldn't have gotten our hopes up that much. Like I think all of us like kind of were sort of thinking, Oh, maybe this is going to game seven when it really should never have entered our heads because they just Phoenix seemed to make. Yeah, a I was like, do they get like, to game seven? And then is yeah. that the game where like Chris Paul has something like, like some hilarious turnover in the fourth yeah. quarter that like seals the game or what? Nope. Nope. They I mean, closed it out. Chris Credit Paul to has a, a, you know, a, a delightful history of game sixes in Los Angeles that don't go his way. But unfortunately this was not one of them. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just happy that like Wes Matthews got a little bit of time to shine and Talon got a little bit of time to shine and LeBron was just good enough again for a moment. Um, those are the only three. He played center, which like, yeah. I mean, again, I don't want to get into too much because we're going to have weeks to discuss what they do next season and whatever. But, you know, it did strike me that, hey, you know, that's not a bad weapon. Like if he's willing to accept that sometimes for like two to three minute stretches during the regular season, maybe this is like opening the door to LeBron will play center for like two to three minutes at a time or something like that. Just as a change of pace, like really throw the other team off weapon. Like that would be great. If, if that's ultimately what comes out of this game, then hey, I guess at least something happened that mattered. I mean, if you were to, you know, put up a poll of which Laker was more likely to play center in the final game of the postseason, LeBron James or Anthony Davis, I guarantee you, LeBron James would not have been the result of that poll six months ago. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers finally went to their death lineup. Oh, with AD at the five? No, with LeBron. It was LeBron and Keith. Yeah. Uh, it. I, I, don't, I don't really want to spend too much time on the game, though, just because, like, I don't think I'm going to be thinking about this game when I think about this Lakers season. You know, I'm going to be thinking about the Atlanta game and the Denver game and all of the myriad series of unfortunate events that led us to this point, right? If this is just the culmination of all of them, this is not where the problem started. The problem started a long time ago. And, you know, I was, I was talking on the podcast a couple of weeks back with Ben Golliver about how last year was, I think my favorite Laker team of my lifetime. And I'm not sure that we like fully appreciated how special everything was in the moment was just how everything worked out, you know, all at once. Like AD came in immediately, got LeBron to play defense. Everyone started loving each other. And like one of the top 10, one of the top five defensive teams in the league. And like they get all these marquee wins, you know, in March. And the bubble is like this charmed existence. And it's, it doesn't usually work like that, right? (laughs) Most of the time you get just this nonsense happening throughout the course of the season. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree on all of that. Let's actually take a quick break and then let's go through those series of unfortunate, let's go through the fortunate events and the series of unfortunate events all at once uh, really quickly after we take a quick ad break. All right, so it's interesting. I, I want to talk about the good stuff too, but like maybe let's close with that. I, I To get here, 
you know, there was the 70-day turnaround. I went back in a story for Silver Screen Roll today, and I was, like, trying to think back to, like, what was the vibe around this team heading into the turnaround? And it was like, you had Danny Green, before he got traded, was joking that LeBron wouldn't show up for the first month of the season because he was, you know, like, going to be so unhappy with this kind of quick turnaround. And then you had LeBron joking on the shop that he, you know, he was going to be cherry-picking the entire, for, you know, entire first half of the season. And it, it's just, you almost wonder, like, would the Lakers have been better off doing that? You know, I, I also went back through and uh, our Lakers injury report to like the first injury thing of the season. And it was like Alex Caruso was banged up in the preseason from that title run on the last year. And just like, I, again, he ended up starting the season shooting hot, kind of injured his wrist, was never the same after that as a shooter, which again, like he's never been a great shooter in his career. So he was always going to regress to the mean, but you know, it's just, it all of it kind of illustrated to me how their back, the Lakers' backs were against the wall from the very start of this season, and it just felt like even at the beginning when they were winning, it was like yeah they'd turn it on for like four minutes at a time, and for the rest of the game we're pretty much load managing, and then all of a sudden you know you get later on in the season and AD you know. Uh, we're worried he tears his Achilles. No, he comes back, he plays two games and then re-injures it and goes out for months, longest absence of his career. And then, you know, the Lakers are finally starting to kind of round into form again after the all-star break, they're looking fresh. And then Solomon Hill undercuts LeBron, high ankle sprain, misses the longest time of his career. And, you know, there were guys in and out of the lineup, health and safety protocols. You had Dennis doing his two stints in there. Marcus Gasol got coronavirus. Alex Caruso got dinged for contact tracing. Alfonso McKinney, who I'm assuming Frank didn't even notice wasn't there, uh, was out for like a game and a half or something like that with, you know, with, with contact tracing. A bunch of guys just had a variety of injuries. KCP was banged up by the end. It was just like this season, we've talked about it so much, I think in emotional terms of like being a joyless slog and just mentally exhausting and all of that. This stretch of basketball was physically exhausting too. And, and I think, you know, you look at all of these contenders and I know that this point has become somewhat overwrought, but I actually like dug into all of these contenders. Jalen Brown out with an injury, you know, by the end of the season, all-star, high usage guy. Jamal Murray, high usage guy, plays really fast, plays semi out of control. He's out. Like Anthony Davis is banged up for the Lakers, a guy who plays non-traditionally, puts a lot of stress on his joints. A lot. That's a lot of basketball to play over a short period of time. And then you have the Heat, who just were a mess all year with COVID, with injuries, with Jimmy Butler not looking like himself by the end. It's just playing this much basketball takes a toll and it really just it, it just all cascaded on the Lakers by the end of this and it's just it's hard to feel like they weren't set up for failure from the get-go and again this isn't like an excuse like I, I've and I think that you trade it for the title every time obviously like the Heat are the ones who probably have to feel bad like you make it all the way to the finals you lose and then you still have the effects of making it that far the Lakers at least got the banner from it but it's just you just aren't meant to play this much basketball. And if you win a title, it's all worth it. The AD trade was worth it. All of it's been a success. You know, it doesn't matter if you win a ring, but, and if not getting a real chance to repeat is the price of that, then so be it. But it just, it does feel unfortunate that this team just never really got to get their legs under them or get any cohesion, uh, you know, outside of a couple short stretches. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think that the Lakers started 21 and six this season. And at no point during that stretch did I think, oh, the Lakers are really good. Like 21 and six is an outstanding record. Yeah, it's like they're and really good for short stretches of these games. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. right? 
I mean, I, I remember the losses sticking into my head, like, you know, blowing that fourth quarter lead to Portland and uh, ruining that stretch of, what was it, 59 or so games in a row when the Lakers had a lead into the third quarter, they would end up winning the game. You were very upset. I remember this in Slack. You were you were <laughs> irrationally upset by that streak coming to an end. Like More so than I am today with the Lakers season coming to an end. <laughs> Uh, you know, I remember the the loss to Golden State, right, when they came back uh, in that game. And it's funny because, like, I think the outlines of a good team were here, you know. It's just so hard to, like, I don't know that we ever saw it, right, like, other than yeah. for brief periods of time, right? Like Tiny stretches of games. Exactly. And the Lakers would really just test to see how much they had to play, you know, in order to get those wins, right? Like, we got those... Those overtime games against Oklahoma City, you know, when they really just, and Detroit, right? When they just pushed it to the absolute limit to see what amount of effort they had to exert in order to get wins. And I don't know about you, that wasn't a super fun stretch for me. Um, No, I mean, Sabrina, I don't know if you know this. I write deadline recaps of some of these games, and it was not a very fun stretch for me either. Um, I almost compare it to, you know, when you're in high school and you're, like, first uh, discovering the joys of sleeping in, and you, like, you test it, like, every day. It's like, okay, can I set my alarm 10 minutes later, 10 minutes later, 10 minutes later, until you're finally late for school? And then, like, it has to stop. Like, you can't, you know the deadline at that point. And it feels, felt so much like when the Lakers were whole, they were just trying to find that line of the minimum amount of time that they had to expend to, you know, get to school on time or get the win. And I get that because like you said, there was just a lot of effort that had to be expended this season. And three out of the four, you know, semifinalists from last year's bubble were not up to the task. Like we'll see how Denver responds. Uh, Nikola Jokic is just like physical marvel that I don't quite understand how he functions. I was talking to a Nuggets person about this the other day. I don't want to go too far on this tangent, so I apologize. But like, I I feel like because of how slow he moves, he's like almost uniquely well-suited for this kind of turnaround because it's like, it's not like he's putting a high degree of stress with like stop starts and whatever on his joints and whatever. Like, I know he moves for a big guy and like he handles the ball or whatever, but it's not the same way AD does where he's like switching on to perimeter players and trying to stay in front of them and get up on them and all that stuff. Like it's, I think he might be like uniquely well-suited suited for this weird turnaround at his physique and play style. Yeah. And even then, you know, I'm sure the Nuggets would say they were in better position before the season started because they had a healthy Murray, right? So it's not like anyone has emerged from this unscathed, uh, you know, there's, there's no love lost for the Lakers and the situation that Laker fans are going through right now. I have uh, had to shut off Twitter because it was driving me nuts right now. (laughs) People are like old takes exposing me for like coming up with a nickname for the Kuzma Drummond pairing. Like it's like that was I was making a joke. That wasn't even (laughs) it wasn't even a basketball take. Like I just I said we should call them aftermath because it's Dre and Slim Shady. You know, it was when Kuz had the blonde hair. But, you know, I guess you can't win them all. I I, look, I get it. That's part of the game. We did the old takes exposed thing last year. I you know, people are going to dance on your grave. I I, I understand that there's no sympathy for us. And I'm not going to sit here and get really upset about it. But you know, it's part of the game. Hey, but I also think that when you have a generational talent like LeBron James, who drives so much of the marketing and ratings for your league, when you do not put that guy in a position to succeed, I think it's just bad business for the NBA. You know, I realize I'm supremely Homer saying this because I root for the team that has LeBron James on it. But, you know, you, you kind of think that, like, the NBA would take better care of the guy. You know, they wouldn't make him play after 70 games. They wouldn't no, make look, him play. No, look, Adam Silver got his, like, he got his quick cash in on the play-in game. You know, like, he got, <laughs> uh, like, uh, like he he took care of that. Like, he didn't take store credit. He, he just got the cash up front and uh, just took care of it 
on that play in game ratings bonanza or whatever between the Lakers and Warriors and then just like decided, yeah, you know, we don't need Steph and LeBron in the playoffs. Like, again, I know the league did not decide that the Lakers lack of success and lack of health decided that. But yeah, I mean, I don't I just I can't bring myself to care because it's like I don't care about ratings like selfishly, of course. Yeah, like I would have loved to see the Lakers get a real shot to defend this title. But, you know, I also think that there was too much at stake for the league to do that. And I also like I'm not going to sit here and get too upset about it when like the consequences of delaying would have been probably a lockout at some point. And you know how owners would have responded to the lockout? They would have laid off a bunch of the street level employees that like make the, you know, at, like the game level, the like at the basketball, op, like the lower level employees that make these games actually possible and like go out and do this. Like these people would have been out of work, like if the season didn't come back and whatever. So like I, I can't get too upset about it. Like this is what the league had to do to kind of maintain, you know, its status. I, I just do wonder if long term damage is going to have been done because it's like the Nuggets, like the Nuggets would have had been legitimate title contenders next two year now who knows what they're going to look like when murray gets back you know they're making a nice kind of little run now but i don't think anyone sees them as a true threat to win the title Portland is that big of a deal in the first yeah <laughs> no i neither do i that's why i you know lakers and five forever against the blazers but um yeah i just yeah, I, mean, I, I guess beyond like I, I, the question i have for you more that like not even future looking like let's take a look back and like is there anything that happened beyond obviously the schedule or whatever that you feel like like hindsight being 2020 even and we can admit this like this is hindsight 2020 we are an, a, evaluating these things now that we've seen the result we don't have we are not rob Polinka making these decisions in the moment but was there anything that you feel like just clearly, like, if they would have done it differently, could have made a difference in this end result. Because I just, with the way that it ended with AD, I have a hard time seeing it. But, and to me, that makes the other stuff less important because we didn't get to fully judge the team on its merits. But I'm wondering if there was any other direction that you would have gone in. Because I know a lot of people feel differently. Yeah, I mean, I think there are, like, three pivot points for the Lakers of decisions that they made that fundamentally altered the, you know, structure of this team. Number one, uh, winning the championship last year really set them up for failure this year. <laughs> you know, it really just uh, set them into the disease of more and then guys. Yeah, it, it was selfish of it was selfish there. of last year's Lakers that left to win a title and then just like not have to deal with this short turnaround. Yeah, so I, I would say number one is uh, not trying to re-sign Rajon Rondo and making the move for Dennis Schroeder instead. Um, at the time, obviously, I, lo- I I love this take from you. I yeah. like I would have called you an absolutely insane person at the time, but after having seen a season play out, you were right all along. And so, go ahead. it's true. People did call me insane at the time for my undying love for Danny Green, uh, despite the fact that he is a Tar Heel and missed the shot in Game Five and all of that stuff. Uh, and like, like low key, did not have an amazing playoffs, but low was very not. helpful. Clearly hampered by a hip injury during the yes. season. Let's not, you know, overstate that. Uh, you bring Rondo and Danny Green back instead of the Dennis Schroeder West Matthews combination. I don't know what the regular season would have looked like. Maybe the Lakers would have had to play two play-in games, honestly, with that regular season roster. Or they may not have made the plan, like if they the way that they went off. with those injuries. Yeah. I, I do know that those two guys were more reliable in a postseason setting, even accounting for the fact that Danny didn't have a great playoffs last year. Those two guys are still more reliable than what Wes Matthews and Dennis Schroeder provided. And I I was very wrong about Wes Matthews. Um, maybe it was the fact that the Lakers didn't play him at all during the regular season and he couldn't get into a rhythm because he's a guy who has started basically every game of his NBA career yeah. and then came to the Lakers and was like, yeah, you know, maybe he'll be in the rotation, maybe not. So 
uh, I'm going to leave a mulligan out for Wes Matthews because if they had used him the way I would have used him as a starter, then maybe yeah, they would have worked out. I mean, in fairness, I will play devil's advocate here. And in fairness, he looked extremely washed to start the season. And so, I mean, he kind of played his own way out of the rotation and they needed more ball handling. They had to, they kind of had to go to THT, you know, at that point in the season, especially with the injuries happening and whatever. So it's hard for me to fault them too much for how they used him this year versus like, like we can quibble with the moves they made, obviously now. But in terms of how they used him, like I think they kind of had to go the way that they went and maybe he could have played a few more minutes here and there but for the most part like I think that kind of was what it was yeah I I point to the long stretches when Anthony Davis was out and even when LeBron James was out that Wes still did not get very many minutes as that's uh, that's fair what are you doing you know yeah (laughs) yeah anyway I I don't want to litigate the Dennis Schroeder thing too much because for one, I, no, I, absolutely. I, I think people are yeah. mad about Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. Absolutely go off. Like you've been waiting all season for this. So it's go, go the, ahead. The it's minute time. that you were reported on Silver Screen Roll that there were rumors that the Lakers were going to trade Dennis Schroeder, I mean, for Dennis Schroeder from the Oklahoma City Thunder, I said, I hate this. <laughs> I think we can go back into our Slack chats and find that. Um, the thing that kind of worried me about Dennis Schroeder is uh, he's got like a, a weird energy about him, you know? And I'm... I think Laker fans kind of got a sense of that by the end of the season, you know, with the the delightful press conferences that Dennis Schroeder has given since he returned from health and safety protocols. But let's just say Dennis Schroeder is not the steady hand that you want at the helm of your offense. And Rondo, for all of his faults, man, playoff Rondo, like, you and I are acolytes. Like this is this yeah. is a thing. other than we we playoff the play, the church of playoff Rondo has burned the tape of Game Five against the Mavericks. Uh, sure. But other than that, like playoff Rondo is absolutely for real. Um, on the Dennis thing, I was a huge defender of Dennis. I was a huge like advocate. You got to sign him to an extension. You need to make it happen. You gave up assets to get him. Like he, this guy helps. He helps take the load off LeBron. You know, I I was you know. I would not say Dennis's biggest stand during the regular season or anything, but among media members, I think that I valued him. I was on basically the opposite end of the curve from where you were in terms of valuing Dennis, seeing what Mm -hmm. he brought, really liking his intensity, all that stuff. His decision-making on and off the court has left a lot to be desired, especially over the last couple months. And like, if that's how you respond after turning down a, you know, like $84 million extension offer, you know, over four years, you'd be getting 20 plus million a year because you want a hundred plus million. And, you know, you just, you don't follow the NBA rules. You end up getting yourself held out for whatever reason, you know, he, Dennis, I I'm legally, I think required and, and ethically required to say Dennis says that he did not have COVID, but that he cannot get it again. And he did not take the vaccine. So you know, make of that what you will. But there's that stuff. And then there's like, you know, just, he just didn't look ready for the moment. And again, it was that his health and safety protocols absence for unexplained reasons, maybe. But I, I have a lot less faith in a guy like that and wanting to commit a ton of money to him, even at the risk of losing the asset. And again, like maybe I'll feel differently in a couple weeks when we're removed from the season, we're doing our season reviews. We're looking back at the good Dennis times, whatever. Maybe I'll talk myself into it again, but 
like, I mean, I, number one, I, I don't think that he's played himself into anywhere near an $84 million offer. And at that point, you almost have to assume he's gone because you don't think he's coming back to the Lakers for less than the, what they offered him with his level of pride and his ability. But yeah, I was, you know, I said this to you yesterday when we, you know, when we had dinner and like, I've said this to multiple people over like the last, you know, several days, like I'm, I'm done with Dennis. I'm just, I'm kind of over the Dennis experience, he he somewhat came to play, you know, tonight uh, once the game was completely out of reach. But it's just, I'm I'm just kind of over the Dennis Schroeder experience. And, I, I, you know, feel free to throw this back in my face if they re-sign him and win a title next year. It is what it is. That, that's where I'm at right now. It's kind of like when Darius was asked what bid he'd have for KCP and he said a fond farewell. That's where I'm at with Dennis. I would bid Dennis a fond farewell. You know, it, like when he comes to the table and he's like, so what you got for me, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if it would be that fond, to be I just, honest. I hesitate to close the door on him completely because, as you mentioned, he was returning from health and safety protocols. Well, this season went so badly that now yeah. you are the Dennis optimist and I'm right? on the I'm, other. I'm like, we have completely reversed uh, positions. It's just, <laughs> you know, we're, you know we're, we're in the middle of a global pandemic here and he got, he may or may not have contracted the coronavirus and clearly was not the same player after he returned. And there were times when I really liked what he was doing with Anthony Davis on the court, and he never got to play with a healthy Anthony Davis again. In, so in all three games that they played together, by my yeah. mental count and memory. <laughs> I think I remember fondly the Boston game in Boston, you know, when they ran um, that Schroeder back screen for Anthony Davis at the end of the game to get us the game winning bucket. Like that's when I think of, you know, the Dennis Schroeder experience in Los Angeles. That's what Rob Palink was going for. I get it. I think it was my a risky favorite. Maneuver. My favorite Dennis moments at the end of games were when they would literally just like hope that teams forgot he was fast and he would just try to like outrun the intentional foul. That was like my favorite end of game wrinkle was just like their play was literally like Dennis go be fast for a couple seconds and burn clock. Yeah. So that's that's pivot point one, right? Uh, okay. the Dennis Schroeder, Rajon Rondo, you know, dichotomy. Pivot point two, I would say, is when the Lakers decided to use their mid-level on Montrose Harrell instead of just bringing back Dwight Howard or using that money on a wing. Yeah. Like um, I would say during the regular season, I fully understand the value of Montrezl Harrell. I yes. think he brings you a level of effort and intensity every night that most players are just not able to come up with 72 times or 82 times in the regular season. And his performance... His monster energy was a person. Yeah. if Specifically on the offensive end, like that can win you games, right? His production yeah. is so consistent. Um, and you you basically know, like, going into any game, like, oh, this is a Trez matchup, this isn't a Trez matchup. But, like, you know what you're going to get out of him. I think that is a very valuable trait to have on a roster when you have, you know, all of these moving parts, some measure of just, like, reliability, consistency. And I think we kind of all knew at the time that in the playoffs, he's not going to play. So it was a weird choice to make. You know, and one yes, that this again, is like, not even like a like this is not a post analysis thing. This is something we were probably writing yeah. and, and saying in our podcast when the signing was made. Like this is a regular season signing, and exactly. it's kind of you know I get the load management aspect of it, and there's value in that. But like, what are they going to do in the playoffs? And like, if they hadn't signed Drummond, like they really would have been down to just like AD and Mark in the postseason at center and stuff like that. And I, I guess maybe that's all you need. But yeah, it was yeah, it was an interesting thought experiment I guess right and I understand making a regular season play because as we have spent the first half an hour of this podcast detailing 
this regular season sucked. It was yeah. very, very hard. And almost no one, like Montrez Harrell, another guy that was uniquely built for this regular mm-hmm. season, like him and Nikola Jokic, it's the only thing that uh, those four, uh, like former playoff nemeses have in common. Exactly. And I think there are definitely games in the regular season that the Lakers do not win without Montrez Harrell. I'm thinking that game against Indiana, uh, either shortly before or after the All-Star break. Um, just he provides something that very few players do. And we knew that the Lakers superstars were not going to have it every night. They just weren't. And so you needed somebody who would. And I thought it was probably an overpay for a guy like that. But I understood the gambit if you're thinking, well, AD is going to play center in the playoffs anyway, so we don't need to get another center. That's fine. Like you can get centers on the buyout market or for minimum. Yeah, it's like, like this Whoa. is our this is our like replacement. This is like you know we have AD at home and it's Montrez Harrell during regular season games where you exactly. load manage him. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think I think we all knew how it was going to turn out. Uh, it may have turned everyone out everyone but Trez seemingly. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of guys who left money on the table, uh, yeah, I, I worry what his free agency market is going to look like next year. I think it might just behoove him to opt into this player option for year two I agree. of the um, which what none of us expected that I'm going to say when he originally signed this contract that he would be back for a year or two at the same price, but we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think that that has gone any differently than any of us expected, right? Like we thought this is what Trez was going to be. He basically ended up being this guy. Uh, and then his role changed a little bit more, you know, when Andre Drummond came into the fold, but I, I'm not disappointed with Trez. I thought he showed like some, signs on defense at times you know when Frank he was exactly what I expected him yeah yeah maybe a little more like in terms of just like you said there were literally games that they would not have won without Mm -hmm. Montrez Harrell and I didn't expect him to be that level of impact player but yeah I mean you mentioned the contract thing you know the thing about losing in the first round as the defending champions in Los Angeles is there are a lot of reporters and there is a lot of media and there are going to be a lot of, and again, I'm not calling my reporting colleagues vultures, but just making an analogy that, you know, when something dies, vultures come to pick the carcass clean. And this carcass is going to have a lot of finger pointing and a lot of, you know, there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of motivations to explain anonymously where things went wrong. So we are going to hear from LeBron's camp. We are going to hear from Trez's camp. We are going to hear from Dennis's camp and we are going to hear from the Lakers. And, you know, we're, we're going, there's going to be a lot of leaks. I just want people to be prepared for the storm that's coming as a lot of people try to recoup a lot of free agency money that is probably not going to be available anymore and try and salvage their reputations going into this offseason and scapegoat others for what went wrong. Um, you know, possibly even, I don't know if Andre Drummond has a camp, but I guess if he has a camp, that's <laughs> another guy that is like, like we got to be ready for this stuff. And I'm sorry to derail your point again, but it, it is like it, bringing up those two guys, it did kind of naturally lead me into thinking about that. And that is something, you know, I think, we have to be prepared for it and we got to be ready to read, you know, who does this leak benefit being out there? Like who is, you know, we all need to critically think about this stuff because there's going to be a lot of BS to cut through. So anyway, I will let you get to your third point, but that is something that strikes me while thinking about Trez and Dennis and free agency money lost. I mean, I do love to read critically. So I'm looking forward to whatever awaits us over the next few days. Uh, Yeah. So pivot point three trade deadline. Apparently, the Lakers could have potentially gotten Kyle Lowry for Dennis Schroeder, KCP, and THT. They decided not to do it because they didn't want to part with Taylor Horn Tucker, if I remember 
how it, it was like it was like not yeah i mean so many people like charged it up as like it was straight up thc for lowry mm-hmm. and the lakers said no but yeah i mean yeah. he was the final piece in the deal that they were exactly. handling over. they were yes. willing to put the first two in but not the third and like I, think, I believe there were picks involved yeah there might have been the, yeah. the lakers can trade their like 2027 20, first or other yeah seconds. they have something yeah. they have some level of picks that were in this theoretical deal. Right. right so i think it's fair to say that if Anthony Davis is not healthy, Kyle Lowry is not changing the course of this Lakers season. Um, yes. But Dennis Schroeder was so bad. <laughs> and uh, THT played like a 20-year-old for a lot of the end of the season. Is he 20? 21 now? He is wanna... 20 right he... now, I oh, believe. Still yeah. Okay. So there were several moments when I thought, wow, what would this Laker team look like with Kyle Lowry? And that sort of gives you a built-in avenue of improvement for next season, right? Because I'm looking at this Lakers roster and part of me says, well, if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy, then this is another championship contending roster in the 2022 season. And part of me says, well, there's a lot going on with this team that I don't quite trust in a postseason setting. Like, can they shoot well enough? Do they have enough reliable ball handling? Do they have good enough defense for guards, right? Like, Devin Booker going off. Um, and you look at a guy like Kyle Lowry and you think that could address some of those holes, right? And I'm looking at the Lakers offseason thinking, do they have avenues to improve um, now that they didn't take this one? And I don't know how to feel about that pivot point at this point because, like, again, after March, like, what was even happening with the Lakers, right? Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. Like, the high point was that game in Brooklyn when Andre Drummond forced LaMarcus Aldridge. Single-handedly beat the Nets by himself, yeah. Yeah, It was just, uh, it was, it was a dark time, you know, Ben McLemore made a lot of threes, that was fun, but uh, not like a, not the path of a championship contender from that point onwards. So I don't know how I'm going to look back on the Kyle Lowry trade in two months. I know the very next day I was peeved and... Um, that's sort of where I sit now. As much as I love Taylor Horton Tucker, like I think he should be the starting point guard for the Lakers next year, quite honestly. But that's that's number three for me because the Lakers sort of decided that they had to, you know, keep some of their war chest going forward. And like I don't know. Or love just decided deal. like maybe we can sign him this summer or yeah, without yeah. giving all this up. Yeah. Right. But I don't I don't love the deals that Rob Polinka has made when he's had to use assets to get things right. Like all of the picks that went to New Orleans, like I think could have probably negotiated better. The pick that went to Oklahoma City to get Dennis Schroeder, like uh, the way he's used his assets so far, you know, leaves a little something to be desired. So we have them now. I'm curious to see if something better than Kyle Lowry comes out of it. Yeah, I definitely so am I. And I, I think that, you know, again, as we head towards the offseason, we'll talk a lot more about who they should resign, who they will and won't bring back and all that. But I guess we should probably wrap this up because we're going on We're getting closer and closer to an hour here. And this is supposed to be like the short post game show. So I apologize to everyone for that. But I think all of us just needed to kind of freewheel and vent a little bit like we had no plan going into this show. I, I just before we wrap up. I want to, you know, I just took scroll through kind of what guys have been saying in the post game and whatever. And, you know, like a couple of things that stuck out to me, I I just, number one, like, 
I feel horrible for Anthony Davis. Like I, I just, th- this just sucks the way that his season ended. He's getting called like soft and all this stuff for like not playing through a groin injury, which is like, if you're saying that someone should just like, oh, Kobe would have just played through it. No, he wouldn't have. No one would have because it's not an injury that like, like you physically cannot move. Anyone who has ever had any type of groin injury can tell you this. Like your leg, you like tell it to do things and it will not do them. It's just like, it's a frustrating long injury that just kind of never fully goes away. And the Lakers are frankly, extremely lucky that he did not fully tear it tonight, if that is what happened. But he was talking after the game and he was basically like blaming himself. He's like, we had the pieces. We just couldn't stay healthy. A lot of that is on me, a main guy who couldn't stay on the floor. Like, you know, he took the, he took the street clothes thing to heart and that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Like, I feel bad for him that he's almost getting like just like blamed for being injured when it's just not his fault that he is a large man who plays like a guard and you know they did everything that they could they had him played like 10 percent of his minutes only at center to try and eliminate injuries this year and all this stuff and it just I I just feel bad for AD and you know I, I just that that made me sad reading it after the game that he was just basically beating himself up publicly for like not straining his growth for like not avoiding a groin strain which is like again that's not your fault dude it's okay like I just I want to this would break all the protocols but I just want to go and give my close personal friend AD a hug like this is not his fault yeah I think about you know AD in the finals last year when he got hurt I want to say I don't remember which game it was I just know he was wearing the gold shoes it was game five because they were remember he was wearing the gold shoes they were wearing the black jerseys they were clearly branding and getting ready for the championship celebration dvd right and all the lakers thought like oh 80's done for the series and he wasn't he got it out and he was supremely dominant in that game six and i don't i'm with you like i just i don't question this guy's heart at all you know I, i question his you know desire to play with guys like andre drummond but uh Soft is just such a ridiculous word. Like he for not playing through a groin injury, especially. Yeah. Like it's one thing. Like I mean, if he was like, oh, like I have like a finger sprain, and like you're not playing in a playoff game. Like yeah, like I mean, you can maybe judge a little bit for something like that. Like depending on the yeah. severity of the injury, whatever. Like for not playing through a groin, like that's just it's just stupid. Like and Ch- you know, Charles Barkley and other former athletes know that because they've likely had groin injuries at some point. But it's just I don't know. It was that that whole talking point of this whole week and watching like Pelicans bloggers celebrate like they had won a title tonight because Anthony Davis lost and like got hurt again and like taking victory laps over that. It's like, okay, like great guys. Like congratulations. Like a human being got hurt. I'm I'm just disappointed for his sake that he probably won't be able to play in the Olympics at this point. Yeah. Um, If the Olympics happen, you know, but that would not seem to make a lot of logical sense to me for him to go and do that. But I get, you know, his personal decision. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, this wasn't the Anthony Davis season any of us were expecting. But yeah, I I think whether he's an MVP Mark, candidate, like he was getting whether, talked up as like this might be his year, and it turned out it was like the exact opposite of his year. Whether it was a smart decision or not for him to play today, like I I think just for his mental like well being, it probably meant a lot to him to play, and that he tried to, I think says a lot about him. I don't know. Again, if it was a smart decision or not, I hope nothing was further aggravated beyond what looks like a very painful injury to begin with for Anthony Davis. Uh, But I am very eager to open the book on next season for him because 
if you thought our preseason expectations for him were high this year, just wait. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, next season, next season is exciting and it's a long way off and there's going to be a lot of slander and a lot of jokes to get through before then, a lot of bad takes. They still have a whole off season to see, you know, what they do in terms of overhauling this team and how much of it they bring back. But, you know, next season, they're going to have a healthy LeBron and AD most likely going into it and arrested. LeBron and AD and we saw what an early elimination rested LeBron James looked like last time and again like you know maybe one last hurrah I don't know if that's too much to hope for now that he's 36 he'll be 37 by the end of next season but you know maybe he's got one more in him and maybe this ends up all of this ends up fueling AD and that would be great if ultimately that is the outcome of it but you know again it sucks in the moment there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that light may include Dennis Schroeder who said, who had the line, again, I may be back in on Dennis after this quote, because this is an amazing line. He said, you got to go through the bullshit to get to the good shit. That's how I take it. We are going to be back. I'm going to work my ass off to come back here and give them everything because we owe the fans more. I want to win a championship. And he called LeBron and AD the best two players in the world. And like, it was almost like, I don't... His whole drama thing today of like taking the Lakers out of his bio and like putting it back after Lakers fans noticed. And then like now he's saying stuff like this. Like I I don't understand it. I don't know if like his agent just got to him and they're like, Dennis, you can't do this. You are literally setting money on fire right now. I don't know. But perfect Dennis way to end the season is like him giving a quote about wanting to resign, but like not being able to do so yet because that was like the whole theme of the season was like, will he or won't he resign with him and him like turning down offers and being like, but I want to be here, but no, but also I want to be here, but no, but yes. Well, I I think Dennis is absolutely right that we have gone through a lot of bullshit and uh, (laughs) maybe we'll get to the good shit at some point. Maybe we'll get to the good shit. Um, and then just last thing, uh, LeBron, you know, decided to, I guess, like, uh, take Devin Booker in as his new surrogate son and like gave him a signed Jersey after the game and told him like, I love everything that he's about and his maturity. And like, I just, I cannot not find this hilarious after like, they were all calling for Devin Booker to get suspended for like a cheap shot on Dennis Schroeder, like three games ago. And then now it's like, Oh yeah, I I really respect his maturity and everything's about he's about, I I, I get that it's different on the floor and off. And once the series is over, but it's just, I I love LeBron just like being like, all right, no, I I mentored Devin Booker. That wasn't Chris Paul. This is how he gets his revenge on Chris for this series. He's like, I taught Devin Booker how to win. It was me. Yeah, I mean, LeBron was going to get a lot of flack for walking off the court without shaking hands. So this sort of uh, mitigates some of that. Did he not? He... I thought I saw him give a couple guys hugs. No? I don't know. I think, oh, I okay. All right. Well, I was editing the recap. I thought I saw this, but I guess I... It wasn't it. like, you know, game six against Boston where he takes off the jersey through the tunnel and like there's a big shebang about it. But uh, yeah, you know, he, he gave his jersey to Den Booker. What more do you want? Yeah, no, and he signed it. That was that was very nice. Good job, LeBron. It's be worth um, a lot. <laughs> solid, solid sportsmanship. Yeah, Devin Booker can sell that, and that's like better than the playoff bonus for uh, for making <laughs> it to the second round. All right, this is completely off the rails now. This has been uh, an episode of the Lakers Lounge. Yeah, that is our name now. Uh, the podcast that I normally do with Anthony, but got to upgrade this week with Sabrina. Sabrina, where can the people find you? I know you're on this podcast every week, but I feel like we as the hosts don't get a chance to actually plug ourselves. And so, since you are ostensibly a guest on this podcast where can people find you and uh you know like get mad at you for being a Clippers fan even though you are not oh man that there has been a lot of that in my mentions the last couple days uh yesterday coach K retired and the Clippers lost and people thought that I was about to like jump off of a cliff so (laughs) (laughs) anyway you can find me on Twitter and share things with me like that at Sabrina JM and I'll just you know 
engage, I suppose. <laughs> All right. And I am I am Harrison Fagan. You can find me at H-M-F-A-I-G-E-N. I don't know what I will be writing about for the rest of the offseason, but we will be writing. We will be podcasting here at Silver Screen and Roll. And just real quick, I, I just... Again, this season didn't end the way that I think any of us expected going into it. We at least thought, you know, conference finals, something like that. Like this team was going to get to get healthy, get a real swing. They didn't get a real bite at the apple. All is not lost, though. And beyond all of it, I just really appreciate all of you for tuning in, listening to this podcast, following us on Twitter, interacting with us there, interacting in the comments, reading the site, you know, wherever you have consumed or interacted or engaged with us. Like we just, we all, I know I speak for Sabrina, everyone else on the feed, everyone else at the site in saying that we just have endless appreciation that you allow us to do this and just give us the time of day and care what we have to say and just engage with us. Like, again, you know, tonight sucked, but I love this community. I really appreciate all of you. And thank you all for tuning in all year. This has been an episode of the Lakers Lounge. And uh, we will be back next week with like off-season podcasts and breaking down the latest anonymous leaks and whatever. Yeah, we'll we'll be back with you soon. And they're surely what will be an eventful off-season season for the Lakers.